0: that worked okay all right i'm not used to the garth brooke thing but or, or michael jackson or whatever it is but anyway i asked for the old old time deal but someone said it was illegal i think didn't you say they outlawed it or something was it radiation or okay all right good okay uh, it's great to be with you all this morning see a lot of new faces um and uh, appreciate the hospitality uh, that uh, I was going to say Mr. and Miss, but they said not say that, so uh, Conway and, and Jan uh, provided for us last night, and we appreciate that. Um, I told Jeff that he could announce this morning uh, good news about his grandson, that he did not have to watch Texas play last night. Uh, so. yeah, they won. Yeah, he did, but barely. They pulled it out in the last four or five minutes. We didn't come to listen to that anyway. Um, My wife, I have one wife and three children, and that's that's the way it's supposed to be. And um, so I guess I wouldn't, I won't make any further comments on that. Um, Brandon uh, is in Oral Roberts. He's at Oral Roberts attending the university there, and my wife and I had the privilege to go up and see him, and uh, spend about four days with him. And he's doing really well. Appreciate your prayers. And uh, he came. We I brought him up last November, and we were actually here together. I don't know if you remember Brandon. He, he was uh, with us, and, and he enjoyed being with you all. And, uh, so anyway, he's, he's having a good time, doing well with his studies, and he's applying himself and uh, learning, learning, uh, learning more as he goes, and, and uh, I've always taught him to you know be like an old cow. Uh, Richard mastered, Masters taught me this one, to eat the hay and spit out the, the sticks, so we passed that along to, to Brandon, and uh, he's doing well. So, appreciate your prayers for him and uh, my other boy Benjamin. He's 15, and Desiree, she's 10. Uh, Be praying for Benjamin. Benjamin is in the middle of a debate. Uh, He's not on the debate team. I don't know who I said this to last night. Uh, If if it was here, maybe it was on the phone when I was driving. Are you supposed to talk on the phone when you drive here? I don't know. Is that legal? I'm sorry. If it's not, oh, is it is illegal? Okay, I did. Okay, all right. School zones. Okay, all right. Um, I went through plenty of those. Um, But um, anyway, he, uh, you know, of course, what we do in our house is that we we get up, the kids do their chores, and they do their thing, and then we have devotions for about 30 minutes. And so, you know, and and in the course of our devotional time over the last, since the kids were small enough to, you know, one, two, whatever, uh, the the years old. And so we've spoken uh, at quite depth about evolutionism and atheism and ism and creationism and all these different isms, and um, with regards to the scriptures. And so anyway, Benjamin calls me up and he says, "Dad, he says the, 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 our teacher in uh, civil government, or I don't remember what the cover, uh, the, the the teacher the, the class was, but she she's a, a proclaimed socialist Marxist, and that's that's not another denomination that's pretty much uh, contrary to sound Christian uh, dogma." And uh, so anyway, Dad everyone signed up for the evolutionist position and I'm the only one that signed up uh, for the the creation uh, side you know and I always tell my kids and it was a blessing and uh, I I tried not to cry on the phone for him with him but um, that your kids are standing up for righteousness and uh, I don't mean to speak highly of of Benjamin uh, with respect to that but I just wanted to uh, say what a blessing and a testimony it is to see uh, our friends and family and, and everyone that, that takes a stand. Uh, it's easy to take a stand here. This, this don't count, this stuff here. I mean, I mean, it counts, but not in that sense. But when you're out in, in, uh, in the areas where it's not uh, the politically correct thing or, or what, what society expects of us, to take a stand there. And, and that's, that's what I, I teach my kids. I said, we are uh, light in the world. We're salt in the earth, part of a city on the hill, kingdom of righteousness. There is no reason why we need to apologize or feel bad or condemned for anything that God has established in his son and through his holy scriptures. Uh, the shame is on the other end. Uh, it, it is uh, it's a wonderful, um, uh, lovely, excellent, uh, ad- admirable uh, issue that we can, in a good sense, glorify and, 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 and boast in Christ and boast in the scriptures uh, and boast in truth. Uh, how many know time is on the side of truth? Amen. I mean, I, I happen to have a different eschatological view. I, I think that, that we belong to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, and I think that darkness must bow. And uh, I'm not necessarily of the view that we need to have Christians in every position in our government, but uh, the influence that Christianity must bear in upon mankind uh, is uh, maybe not happening as it should, and I agree, but that doesn't mean it can't and that doesn't mean it won't. You know, our great uh, document in the United States, the Constitution of the United States and Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights, uh, even the Magna Carta and some of these other great documents written to the history, they were, they were written based upon an influence of godliness in society and community. Uh, and I do believe that um, though Miss Kathy, Miss Kathy in our Sunday school class um, was there and I enjoyed our time together, uh, we spoke briefly about Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson, even though he, he probably most likely was not born again, uh, but he was influenced. He was influenced uh, and his parents in, were influenced and his grandparents were influenced. And this influence uh, that was created by the scriptures, by godliness, by morality, uh, influenced our founding fathers to do the things that they did. I'm not saying they were perfect, but uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good document. Uh, and uh, I trust that uh, uh, little by little we'll return not only to the Constitution but to the Constitution. So, pray for Benji. He's, he he debated his first debate last Thursday, and he said it went excellently. Uh, they they did not know how to answer the questions that he he posed, and we worked on it. And you know, because really, I mean, he, evolutionism and Darwinianism and secular humanism, it's just, it's fairy tales. Um, it's Mary Led, the Little Lamb, and Three Blind Mice, and all that kind of thing. Uh, they think that this is fable, and it's, it's not. Uh, there's all kinds of evidence, general, special, Christ, the evident of all things, that really, obviously, brings um, secular humanism and, and, and these issues into a, a state of absolute foolishness. And when you, when you, uh, and I always tell my Bible school students, we're in different countries that we're at, I said, listen, God gave you an intellect to use. I said, so hook that intellect up to the nature of Christ in us, and apply yourself and study, so you're, show yourself approved, prove all things. We don't need to be stupid. That's not one of, that's not a pre-criteria of, of being a Christian, being dumb and stupid and ignorant and deceived and all the rest of it. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. I can tell <laughs> Jeff and I are going to have a good time this morning. Uh, anyway. Uh, and Andrea sees me coming. She's like, "Oh, brother, here you go. So he's going Jeff is gonna encourage Jeff, and then Jeff's gonna encourage Jeff. And oh, so she's a blessing. Um, but he he was able to articulate well, and uh, he said even the teacher was not able to. And and there's no answer for for their fable. Uh, there's no logic to it. And and uh, anyway, so be praying for for Benjamin. I don't want you to raise your hand, but. How many of you, please don't raise your hand, because I don't want you to feel bad or the people around you, but how many of you have taken out every, t- every day, a time every day, and sharing with your kids, uh, discipling your kids? Well, they see how I live. Well, that's fine, and you better live straight. But how many are talking, and, 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 and you read the Constitution, you read the Bill of Rights, you, you read our founding fathers, you read uh, the Scriptures, you read why it was written and what we're here for. I mean, we have a great opportunity here. Our kids, to disciple our kids. You know, don't leave it in the hands of the Sunday school teacher only. Or in the hands of, of, of your pastors. These are your kids. They're a, a possession. They're your inheritance. Uh, because I want my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids, I want them to bypass me. Do you not want them to do that? I want them to have more than, than I have. I want them to do more than, than, than I've done in a godly sense. I want them to express more of his... Do we not want that? Yes. Okay, we, we're on the same page there. I, sometimes I, find, I think Christianity is like, well, we're, you know, less and less and worse and worse. And here we go and hang on. Let's see, more than conquerors. I don't know how that works out. Uh, uh, how that kind of <laughs> folds in together. Um, but that's what he said. The gates of hell shall not... What's that? Um, okay, thank you very much. I mean, this is who, we're part of this great kingdom. This great universal kingdom, body of Christ. And I want to encourage you parents, and those who are going to be parents, uh, to take out time every day. Uh, and if you're not doing it yourself, then how can you do it with your children? Um, you, don't have to take, you don't have to do a seminar, you know, blocks of 10, 15 minutes. But be thorough about it. Be deliberate about those 15, 20 minutes. And take a scripture and, and, and share with your children and your wife or vice versa. And uh, I'm, I'm speaking to the, to the fathers uh, as well as the mothers, but you guys, let's, let's get rocking. You know, this too busy stuff don't count. Um, Amen. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so I just want to, I won't charge you for that, but, you know, I just, I'm just telling you, we, you know, we, this is how we do this thing. This, you know, going this thing together. We're growing up into Christ. You know, this is part of what we're supposed to be doing. If, if you've not been discipled, then, okay, tell Jeff, man, I want to be discipled. You know, I want I want this deal. I want I want to embrace this. This is about life. This is not about a dogma or a teaching. This is a life, a lifestyle that, that we influence. And your kids grow up. And wouldn't it be wonderful wherever your kid is, if he's an employer or an employee or an owner of something or or not an owner of something, but whatever whatever status he or she holds in a in our society that they stand up for righteousness. They do right because they are right. Amen? I mean, we didn't get where we're at here overnight, folks. Okay, and, and we're, we won't come out of this overnight either. This is, you know, the church needs to hold up into a plan. You know, Planned Parenthood's got a plan. Marxist's got a plan. Miles's got a plan. atheist got a plan. We don't have a plan. Jesus come back tonight, so we say to like a, a bunch of yin-yangs, you know. No, we've got to have a plan. Okay, so he comes tonight, great, but whatever. Let's put that out on the, the, the side burner until that happens. Uh, and right now, let's plan this thing generation to generation to generation to generation. Amen. I mean, any sense of morality that this world has is because of the church. And and I was talking to somebody the other day. Atheists need you. Agnostics need you. Buddhists need you. I know they say we're terrible and they hate us, and they want to scorn us from everything, and they want to take the manger scene out and take Christ out of Christmas, and they want to do all these things. But without Christ's body and His moral norm. The world is in total chaos. It can't function. It can't function economically, politically, educationally, jud- jud- judicially. It can't, it can't, there, there's nothing that that can function. It cannot function. So they need us. They don't know it, but they need us because we're the only light of of logic, moral, righteous that's that's in a society. So I want to I want to just encourage you to take your kids. Say, Jesus, if you don't know how, let Jesus teach you. Grab a hold of some people in, our, in, in your church that either don't have hair or got gray hair. Amen? <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what the scripture says. You know, if the older women teach the younger women, let the young, older men teach the younger men. I mean, that's just kind of like, it's just kind of a natural order to this thing. Um, how many of you ever needed help in their lives? And then you've asked for it. That's the way it works. You need help ask for it. So I know Jeff will, will be glad to accommodate, and he has people that will help. So let's just uh, open the scriptures this morning. To Matthew chapter 17, and uh, and I, I wanted to encourage you and just let you know that uh, we appreciate your prayers and 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 all the the finances and, and the backing, the support, and the counsel and everything that you guys have done. It's been such a blessing to be with the masters and, and them and in, inviting us here and, and Jeff and and uh, his wife and family. And I I see several that I know all the time and, and getting to know you all better and better. And, the, and there's so many new faces. I, one of the things we're doing now is we're working in a Bible school. There are about 5,000 people in this Bible school. And it's about 10 different country, in countries. And we do a lot of pastors' conferences. We do a lot of writing and manuals and that kind of thing. But it's a great platform. And I enjoy what I'm doing. It's a great platform to, to try to instill, teach, instruct, educate, uh, renewing of the mind and all that kind of thing. Everywhere we're at, folks, we've got to stand up. Stand up. Make a difference. Every word, every thought, every mind, every every attitude, everything that we can do. We, we're making a difference. Um, and I know that maybe it looks around us that we, we're, in a, we're in a pickle. But you know what? Uh, the church has been a pickle for a long time. I mean, it was born, it was born in adversity. You know, some guy said, yeah, well, uh, you know, the homosexuals, uh, you know. I was in a, I was in a uh, conference just, uh, just three weeks ago, and they, I don't want to wake up the little, the little one here. Sorry for, if I'm yelling too much, just tone me down. I don't want to. Um, He was very concerned about the homosexual issue in Costa Rica and how it's becoming more decadent and open and the rest of it. And I says, hey, this isn't anything new. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And there have been societies that are a lot worse off than we are. Uh, But we have Jesus, and he's in us. And he's challenging us to come come out, to bow our knee, to allow him to express his character and his nature in and through us wherever we are. Amen. 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 I tell my boys, and my daughter says, every time you stand up for righteousness... Every day, you're exposing darkness. You're pushing back darkness. Every time you say something, every time you stand up, every time you make a declaring by whatever it is, your action, your thought, your word, whatever you're doing, you're exposing that darkness. You're pushing, you're pushing back. You're standing up for righteousness. Amen. Amen. And, and that's what we're here to do, to influence and to, and to bring forth that. Um, and I appreciate your prayers with respect to what, what the Lord is doing. Um, tonight... Lord willing, we will probably talk about some things that we're going to speak of this morning. Um, three crosses, the eternal cross of God, the second cross is the historical cross, and um, the, uh, the internal cross, which we bear in our hearts. Okay? Can you say three? Three. 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 And we'll probably talk about that. We'll also probably talk about three, uh, three establishments of the law. And uh, we talked about, someone mentioned uh, that this morning uh, in, in respect to that. But we'll talk a little bit, bit about some of that today. But in Matthew chapter 17, then we wanted to Romans chapter 14, 17, uh, if you'd be so kind. And then we want to go to Matthew, back to Matthew 7. So we will just mention some of these issues. And um, we will uh, start here in, in chapter 17 of Matthew, Romans 14:17. In Matthew chapter 17, I think verse 29 through the end of that chapter. Uh, this is a story here uh, of Jesus. Um, he's with his, as some people have said, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And uh, he's led them onto a high mountain. And this is a story of his transfiguration. Say transfiguration. transfiguration. You remember that story? Okay, well, if you've never heard of it, we're going to read it. So then when I ask you later, you can say, yeah, I remember that. Verse, verse one says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them upon a high mountain uh, by themselves. And he was he was uh, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. How many remember Moses and Elijah? Okay. Now Moses was characteristic of the law. Say law. law. So whenever you hear Moses in scriptures, usually in the New Testament context, that means that we refer to the law. Okay? So you, oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> you guys are cheating. How, there, how are you guys looking up in the corner? Is there an angel up there or something? It's it got the scripture on the screen. Good. And uh, then Elijah was, he was kind of the head of the prophets. So this really is just talking about Moses, the law, and the prophets. Now, you remember Jesus talking all the time he talked about it. He says they would refer to something in a, in a perverted or, 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 or abused form. The Pharisees, the doctor of the law, Sadducees, and all these guys. And then he would say, well, have you not read in the law? Have you not read in the law and the prophets and the Psalms? Uh, Luke chapter 19 talked about when the man was in Hades and the department the, 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 of, of gone on souls. And he wanted to come out. You remember that little story? I like can't and there's a gulf and etc.? And he says, well, can you send somebody? He says, no, we can't send anybody. And what was Jesus' answer? He says, they have the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. He says, the miracle issue? No. He says, even if I did something, they wouldn't. He says, they they have what everyone else has, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. So this is what Jesus was constantly referring back to his precedent, which was the law. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't say anything new that the law had not already dealt with. Paul Peter, James, Jude, John. All these guys didn't preach out of Timothy, Romans, Corinthians, James, Peter. They preached out of Genesis through Malachi. Amen. They preached the gospel from the gospel. When we talk about old and new, we all, oh, the old is, you know, is like me and, you know, like Mr. Masters and Jeff. And, you know, when you're old. We want the new. Look at this little tiny baby. And new and sweet, nice, kind, clean, sweet, and, 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 and doesn't have any rough edges. That's not the way the scriptures should be looked at. There's really not any old, new, bad, good. <laughs> I don't know why people say when you talk about the law they go, <sighs> you know, like some, some sort of vampire thing. The law is wonderful. Jeff said it this morning. We to the scriptures in, in Romans six, seven, eight. The law is wonderful. It's kind, it's good, it's pure. If righteousness could have come by the law, it would have been so. The law is a great thing, and I don't know why we, we think that it's a it's a bad thing. We talk about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, New Testament was just divided by the cross. The Old Covenant, New Covenant. Okay, but it's the same gospel. Amen. Paul preached the gospel from the Old Covenant Scriptures. That's where he preached. I have not declared anything apart from Moses and the law. That's what Paul says. I do not speak apart from Genesis to Malachi. Because the New Testament Scriptures had not been included and enclosed in, in, in what we call the canon. So it wasn't there in existence at that time. Okay? When Jesus spoke, whatever he spoke, he always referred to Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus... Genesis, Zechariah, Malachi. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's very ordered. It's very logical. God is a a very consistent, methodical, logical... That's not all He is, but that certainly is part of it. And it doesn't leave anyone out unless you want to be out. You Remember Jesus said, be not deceived, be not ignorant. He never said, don't be non-literate. Or I don't know, did I drop something? What does that mean? Literacy isn't the issue. It's about being not deceived, being, being not ignorant. Ignorant is ignoring something. You know, yo me juego el ruso, como decimos en español. We say, I'm, I'm going I'm to play like a Russian. It's kind of a teacher we have in Spanish, that I'm just going to turn my head. That's ignore or ignore ignorance. Ignorance is not based upon your ability to read and write, it's based upon your attitude. Be not ignorant. Be not deceived. These are attitude issues. And he's asked us not to do this. And I think some of the comments this morning in, in Miss Kathy's Sunday school class. Were that hey, we can read, we can study, we don't have to be deceived. We need to find out what the scriptures say, and so I'm going to exhort you to do it because it's right here. I mean, um, at least we can read the document before we sign it, right? We don't have to like sign it and say I never read it. Yeah, you know, uh, Miss N- Neponatalo and Holder, uh, a 10-page document and they didn't read it, you know. But we're going to criticize it, uh, and and the 2,500-page document which they all signed and didn't read. We should probably fire those folks, don't you think? Anyway. Amen. Thank you, Brother Masters. Okay. Finally said something he felt worthy of his amening. In verse 2, it says here, And he was transfigured before them, his face shone like sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, this is good old Peter, it is good for us to be here. Now, he didn't say that before he saw Moses and Elijah. All right? You know, they're hanging with the king, right? He, they're hanging with Jehovah of the new covenant. You understand? That's who they're walking with. Then you got these two pumpkin heads from the old covenant. And what I mean is two human beings that God used, which that's no big deal, right? Right? Don't ask God to use you because that's the wrong prayer. He uses your mother-in-law, the Philistines, the devil. He uses all kinds of things. That's not the point. It's we want to know him. Amen? That's the prayer Paul prayed, that we might know him, not that God uses. So Peter comes up with this wonderful, great depth of wisdom here. Lord, it is good for us to be here. And if it please you, let us make not two tabernacles. We want to include you. Yes, we do. Let's make three. One for Elijah. One for Moses, and, and of course, we'll even let you have the center tabernacle. The center little altar here, you know, to pay homage to. While he was still speaking, this happens to, to a lot of us. While he's still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed him, or them, all of them together. And he's, he's fumbling around and, and trying to make some sense of his, his stupidity. And this bright cloud comes over him, and then while he's still talking a voice came out of this cloud. And it said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one, But who? Where was Moses? Where was Elijah? Where was their concepts? So we see Peter is here. He's glad to be there with Jesus. But he's really glad to be there with these old-time patriarchal heroes of his imagination. So he's glad to be there. While he's still fumbling out the mouth, this cloud comes down and said, Will you please shut up? Because that's what he said. He said, this, not these. Any grammar teachers here? This, not these. This is, this is, not they are. This is my beloved son, not sons, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Amen. When they got up, Peter was looking around. He saw no one but jesus christ is the fulfillment of moses and the fulfillment of elijah he's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets because the scriptures say that the law and the prophets spoke of him hebrews chapter 10 says i come in the volume of the scroll i come in the volume of the book The book from Genesis to Malachi doesn't teach you how to be good Genesis people and good Exodus people and be like Daniel and all the prophets. That's not what the Old Testament was written for. It was written for several things, but the principal issue that was written for was to declare of the Messiah to come. That's what they declared. That was their principal job was to declare in various forms and ways the Messiah that was to come. And now he is here. He's fulfilled all things. He has established what was already stated in a very clear, transparent way. Philip says, we'd love to see the Father. Will you show him to us? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? And he was still confused. That means we are to wear sandals and we have to grow our beards out and wear long tunics. It has nothing to do with that. If you've seen Jesus in the expression of his reality, First Peter one twenty, then we know what the Father is. Jesus expressed righteousness, holiness, Truth, love, compassion, grace. He expressed wisdom. He expressed knowledge. He expressed care and comfort and counsel. Did he not? This is the Father. This is God. If you've seen Him, then you've seen the Father. Okay? And that's what he was saying. Jesus is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. And when he said this, he included and encompassed Moses and Elijah. Elijah. He fulfilled the essence and the reason for which they were written, for which they existed, and for the things that they had stated and done. Okay, let's go to Romans chapter seventeen, verse fourteen, and then let's hold our let's hold our, our finger or or place here in Matthew seven, uh, the end of this verse, and we will come back to it. Romans chapter fourteen, um, and verse seventeen. Paul is talking to these individuals in Romans about this transition of the New Covenant and Old Covenant. And uh, he is uh, dealing here with verse 14, uh, verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is what? Peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You know that God does not do things half-cocked or off-kilter. The scriptures are written in a way, and their order is important. How many know that God's a God of order? He doesn't just randomly throw something out there. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. You know, if he wanted us to understand that it was the the other way around, he would have said joy, righteousness, peace, or... Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's really important when you're reading uh, in literature. If you've been in literature in high school and university, does your literature teacher, does she explain, or or, or is it just a commonality or a known common that we, we start from left and go to right? We start from top and go down, right? We don't start moving, and we don't go to chapter 15. we got to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, right? Anyone? We're in agreement? The Bible is no different. We can't start one place without starting. Uh, Are you listening to me? So we need to learn that order is very important, and every verse has a reason for it and has a reason rhyme. Chapter 7, verse 29. Here we go. 20, Matthew chapter 24. Let's start there. 25, 23. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, Verse uh, 24, chapter 7, Matthew. Chapter 7, verse 24. 23 is good. Boy, the whole chapter is great in the book too. But anyway, we'll just start right here. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Did, uh, Did we catch that? hears them and does them, I will liken him, compare him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. It says, the rain descended, the floods came, winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Can you say rock? rock? But everyone or anyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, winds blew, beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. Okay? We've got some commonality here. We've got some comparisons. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 talks about... I'll try to say this in English. Blessed are those who read... And understand and heed these things uh, for the time is is uh, short short to come, something like that. I'm used to doing it in Espanol, so my abilities to, to do that in English are, are rough. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is this. I asked my Bible school students a, a question one time. I said, how many believe that there's a blessing if you read the book of Revelations? And, of course, they all raised their hand. I was taught as a young man in the a, in a domination that if you just read the book of Revelations, there was a wonderful blessing mystical that would fall on you like rain out of out of the, uh, the heavens. I don't know if you've heard of that story or, or have assumed that or thought that. But anyway, that's what I was taught uh, indirectly or directly. Uh, and that if we just read the book of Revelation, you'd have to understand it and you'd have to obey it. Just read it and there'd be a blessing that would just fall upon you. So we were taught as young just, just to read it. Well, I don't understand it. Well, it don't matter. Just read the thing. You know, just, you know, right, just drive right through it and blow right through it. And at the end, you know, there's a blessing come on you, okay? You know, blessings just don't mystically happen, okay? They just don't fall on you. There's usually reasons for those kinds of things. Amen? You get a ticket because you break a law, right? Now, you might not have known what that law was, but there's, there's a law here. You jump off a building, you're, gonna, you're breaking laws. You, you just can't break a law or walk in a law. The, the curse of, of, of homosexuality is the breaking of God's righteous law. I can't really say that God's up there cursing people, but there is a curse to breaking something. If you walk off a building, you're going to fall. Yes or no? It's called the law of gravity. Something God made. Right? If you do something that's not intended for that particular use, you're breaking a law and you will inevitably find that there is a curse that goes along with the breaking of the law. You understand? So that's just kind of an evident thing. But I mean, when you read the book of Revelations, it said right there, it says, blessed are those who read and heed or guard. How can I guard or heed or obey something I don't understand? Can you explain that to me, Tiny? I have to read. If I read, I must understand. And if I understand, I can obey. Now, if I spoke Chinese Mandarin or Cantonese, okay, and you had no understanding what Cantonese was or Mandarin, which I wasn't, I was just being silly. But I told you to stand up right now and run to the, the door because the, the, the church is going to fall in. But you stand there going, <laughs> all right? Now, I could sit there and say that's disobedience, but it's really not disobedience because the man doesn't understand what I'm saying. Disobedience is contingent upon the fact that. He's got to understand what, he's, what I'm talking about. So the Bible is written for you to be in darkness or be in light? Was it written for your understanding or was it written for your conundrum or your, your misunderstanding, your confusion? Or are, are you meant to understand the scriptures or not understand them? Man, Jeff, he's entered all three. It's just like that. Bam, 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 bam. Now, will we know God in his absoluteness? No. Well, can we know and understand the scriptures? Yes. Amen. God did not send us his scriptures to confuse us. Amen. Oh, but well, that doesn't make sense. What, what didn't make sense about that? God is the God of light. He's God of illumination. Is it in his character to confuse you? Is it in his character to confound you? Is it in his character to put you in darkness and, and to, 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 to the, the decade of oscurantismo of, of or uh, the dark ages? It's not God's intention to confound, to confuse, to belittle, to, to put you in a place where you don't understand. I mean, he spoke in a way that Moses understood what it was he was saying. And he wrote these documents in Hebrew. But he didn't speak to Moses at that time in Spanish or German or Russian or in some sort of codal language. He, he revealed these scriptures in a way that Moses understood, yes or no? Amen. And he did that so that those who read or heard Moses would be able to understand. Amen. And I, you know, I think sometimes we walk in this area of mysticism, and it's not been beneficial for us as the body of Christ. Will we comprehend God and all of his essence and his nature in this life? No, we won't. Absolutely not. But we can begin to know him in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's the only place that God wants us to know him, or he's wanting uh, to know us, is right there in his son. But folks, the Bible was written for your understanding. It was written for your benefit. I meet with atheists and agnostics almost on a weekly basis, and we have a time of sharing and fellowship, and, uh, and, and I enjoy that. I don't know if they do, but that's tough. But anyway, I'm with them. And I asked this one agnostic one time, I said, will you please do me a favor and read John 3.16? He said, oh, well, what do you want me to do that for? Listen, I'm not gonna, you're not going to turn into a Christian or you're not going to uh, you know, automatically you know, fall off. Of some, just read it. You know." So I, I, I convinced him to read it. And I said, would you just please do me a favor and explain to me in your own words what John 3.16 means. And he did. And he did it well. Was he a Christian? No. Could he understand what the Scriptures meant? Yes. Now, isn't that something? Now, is he born again? No. Does he love God? No. Will he get born again? I don't have any idea. We're working on him. But what I'm trying to say is the Bible was written for your understanding, your benefit, your blessing. Amen. It was written so that we would understand what he's saying, and we can understand the scriptures. Now, there's sometimes a little confusing, but that's what we call study. We call investigate. We call digging. How many ever heard of digging a little deeper? Amen. Amen. I went over, it was one of the professors at the Bible school, and we were talking about hermeneutics for the science of interpretation. And I said, well, these are the things that really you need to try to, to do and to spend time concentrating reading the scriptures. And they're, they're not things that are way out. They're just some common sense issues. But after we got done, he says, man, that's a lot of work. I said, well, isn't anything worth doing, worth the effort that, that requires? How many married? How many would describe your marriage relations as W O R? Okay, amen. I mean, and it's not a bad thing. Work's a good thing. And you've got to stay at it consistently. But it's, it's amazing how sometimes we get into this mystical issue where we just think something's going to happen. No, listen, I mean, in Christ Jesus, we're there. And, and, and the only way that our neighbors are going to hear, see, understand, comprehend, or not the only way, but one of the ways that principally is designed and set up is if you and, you and you and you and you and me and me and all of us together are revealing and allowing to express the nature of God through us. To avoid superstition, mysticism and nonsense and illogical uh, rhetoric and fable and and fiction and all the nonsense that goes along with the world. We talked about philosophies and we talked about uh, theories and we talked about ideologies this morning in in Miss Kathy's Sunday School class. It's a bunch of nonsense. Church, we need to wake up. We need to turn our hearts toward God and our minds to the Scriptures. And we need to allow the very nature of God that's in us and the responsibility that we have in us and upon us and through us to do what we're asked to be doing. Good things just don't happen by chance. You've got to work at it. Bad things just don't happen by chance. Folks, we're, we're at where we're at. Obama just didn't like show up, hit here today. Here I am. This was not some weird, mystical, demonic uh, conspiracy since the, uh, the early ages. No, he showed up, and not, he's not just our, our, our problem. Go like this. This is the problem right here, right? Amen? Someone was saying in the Bible school uh, class this morning about deception. If you are deceived or you're being deceived, it's because there's deception in you. Now, you've got to gulp that. You've got to embrace that. You can't sell what you don't own. Are you listening to me? If you, if, you want to, if you want to deny the fact that you're not being responsible, you'll never be responsible. You have to buy, you have to own what you before you can sell something. And The Bible says, buy truth and don't sell it. Proverbs twenty twenty three. 23. We have to buy that truth. The reason why we're in our situation today, the reason why our schools and our judicial systems and our neighbors and our communities and our societies and our churches are the way they're at is because of Jeff, because of you, because of me. Come on, Jeff, you're going to say amen there. No one said amen to that? No one, no one thought that, that was halfway right? Three quarters right? One, one quarter? I mean, come on. I mean, listen, we act like voting is like this, some sort of a messiahship thing. Well, if I just vote, I'll straighten it all out. Are you kidding me? You can vote, tell, You can vote till, till, till uh, the cats come home or the dogs bark in, or whatever the, the, the colloquial idiom here is in, in, in Taylor. It won't, it won't make, voting is not the way out of this. I'm not saying, don't vote, vote, please vote. Please do it. Please don't misunderstand me. And I, I hope you vote righteously as much as possible. But folks, we're here, and the kingdom of heaven must influence all of that. Amen. And I have an obligation, I have a right, and I have a, a, a situation that God's given to us. And, and folks, I know we love freedom. Do we not love freedom? But our freedom is always contingent upon the responsibility that I express. I tell my boys, you can't be free if you're not going to be responsible. You can't do it. You can't do it. We can't expect to live economically free, philosophically free, educationally free, spiritually, maritally, politically. Any kind of freedom that you're talking about has to, has to, be, has to be measured based upon the responsibility that we are embracing. Responsibility will produce a certain level of freedom in the areas that we're dealing with. And if we're going to be irresponsibility, our freedoms are leaving. Isn't that right? You know, there was a Tyler Alexander in 1887 or something did some sort of a circle with regards to slavery. It went like this. Slavery, then after slavery, the people get so sick of it. Moses great example of that. Slavery... And then after slavery, then uh, there's a sense of courage and then faith. And then it's reform and revolution. Then there's freedom and abundance. But then after that sector, it starts going downhill. Then you've got obedience. uh, uh, Then you've got uh, uh, abundance. Then you've got satisfaction. You've got contentment, which are great. But sometimes it causes us to not be vigilant. Right? And then after that. It starts working its way out. And we start getting dependent. How many ever heard of dependency on our government? Entitlements. You ever heard of that? that that's anti-biblical. You know that, right? You know that, right? You know socialism is anti-biblical, right? <laughs> Marxism. Amen. Free market is okay. But the problem with free market is that men are corrupt. And you do not act judiciously with respect to free market. We're left here to judiciously run our lives. Folks, I'm telling you. Well, you can't, don't judge, you'll be not judged. If we read that in context, that we're here to judge. We're not here not to judge. How many heard of examining yourself? Judge yourself? You heard of that one, right? That's where we've got to start. Judgment starts at the house of God. And if we would first judge ourselves, just mentioned this morning with the Holy, Holy Supper, if we first judge ourselves and examine ourselves, then in a spiritually right judgment... We're meant to judge angels. Did he not say that? Paul, Timothy verse 5, that boy is laying with his mother-in-law having uh, sexual relations. And he said, what are you talking about? Can't you guys deal with this? Aren't we to judge angels and you can't handle this? Amen. Amen. John chapter 8. The Pharisees bring this lady. She's an adulterer. She's a whore. She's a prostitute. She's a woman of, of the street. She bring, bring her in there. And he says, listen, according to the law of Moses, we're supposed to stone this girl. What do you say? I don't know spoke with that accent, but that's what they were saying. Now, I didn't mean to... There was no indirect anything. Well, I'll just go on. And so, uh, here's, what, here's what Jesus said. He says, the first one who has... Is without sin. And that's the only word that Greek word is mentioned in the, in the New Testament. But that word, is without sin, doesn't mean any sin. It means the sin with which you're accusing her of. Are you listening to me? It means... Which of you are guilty or not guilty of this sin? Go ahead. Now, this group of cronies had probably all been with her. I'm giving you my opinion based upon what I've read. They could have very well been with her several times during the course of her profession. Okay? And probably the man that she was just with was amongst these foolish judgmental arrogant twits here she is we're supposed to stone her what do you say Jesus said don't stone her he didn't go in contrary to the law listen to that Jesus was a man of the law he didn't say don't do it he said if you're not guilty of the same sin with which you're accusing her of be he my guest amen So they all dropped their stuff and went away. And he says, where are your accusers? He says, there are none. He says, I don't accuse you either. He says, go your way. But remember something, honey. Don't sin. Don't sin anymore. Folks, we're here for a reason. We're not here just to go to heaven. We're here for a reason. Why do you think God came in Christ on this earth? It's called heaven on earth. We're here to make a difference. And the difference has been made. We're supposed to rise up in that reality and express the light, the glory, the love. The nature, the character, Galatians 5. 20. What is so hard about that? Well, there's a lot of things that are hard about it. We, we seem to be drinking out of the wrong Bible and smoking out of the wrong pipe and listening to the wrong tunes on the radio. I mean, we, we're, 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 we are doing some of the wrong things. And we need to straighten that out. Turn our hearts toward Him. Turn our minds to the Scriptures. Be responsible with the things we say, do, think. Teach up, raise up. Cry out to God, says, Jesus, straighten this thing out. You know, it says in Luke, he says, He came and says, He made the crooked way straight. Yeah. He says he brought the mountains low and he rose up the valleys. What does that give you? One plane. We're on equal ground. There are no variants, there's no Partiality, there's no prejudice, there's nothing outside of Christ that isn't Christ. I mean, in Christ. He is the essence of this whole thing. He made all things new. And that's the newness by which we live and we breathe and we have our being. And that's the newness that our nation and every nation in this world needs. The reason why democracy to some extent has had some result is because the church at times past, has stated a moral norm and standard by which to lose. Christ is the standard by which we measure all things. And Christ is the fulfiller of the law. He establishes that. He is the law. Amen. Amen. The reason why we have chaos is because our pathos, our pathology, our emotional state of mind is messed up. And it's messed up because our ethos or our ethics, what men ought to do to men and men ought to do to other men, is based on relativity. It moves and it shifts. And our ethos or our ethics or our morals are all messed around because we're not based on the nomos or the law, the logos of Christ Jesus. We can't expect to avoid chaos over here on any realm if we don't base the pathology the pathos, the ethos, the ethics on Christ, the logos, the solid rock that doesn't move. And it's not shiftable. It's not debatable. It's not, it's not movable. It, it is what it is. And right is always right because it is. And our morals can't change because of time and what's novel and what's new and what's neo and them and they and the others. What was wrong is wrong. What was right is right. And we are the church that raises, not raises, we don't move. We are the expressor of that measuring stick. We are the rod of God. We are the essence. We are the nature, the root of Jesse. We are the expression. We are the arm of God's salvation in Christ. How is the world or the political system or the judicial system or the educational system or the prison system, or anything with which you have to do, is going to move with any terms of variance or any terms of, 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 of definable progress if we don't state? And clearly so. we don 't have to do it mad and unkindly, but be concise and be clear. we 're here for a purpose. It's not just to go somewhere else. (laughs) Well, we're here. Now we do. Well, we're going somewhere else. We went all this way to go somewhere else. Folks, come on. I'm not against going somewhere else. But that's for another time. We're here. Amen. We are here. And the time for going somewhere else is for another time. Let's act in the present. Based upon the eternal reality that is in Christ Jesus. We are not saved or justified by the law. We're saved for good works. And those good works must be seen by all men around us. That they might see and witness to the essence of God and his character that is invisible. The only way they can see him is through you. If you're the only hope of this world, and I don't mean this narcissistically... I mean this in the context of God and his scriptures. But if you're the only hope for your neighbors to see Christ, is there enough evidence, as Josh McDowell says, to convince you or to convict you of, of this issue? Are we letting our light shine? Are we salt that pricks the heart to determine uh, that there's something better out there that tastes uh, better than what we're, 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 we're digesting? Are we a city on the hill? Are we the kingdom of righteousness? Amen. You've got to ask these questions. You've got to internalize this issue. Examine ourselves. So he says here in this verse, in these verses, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. On the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew. It beat on the house, and it did not fall, for the, it was found on the rock. Now look what it says here. It goes down to you the same thing. The rains were the same. The winds were the same. The, the tempest was the same, was it not? Yes or no? It's the same rain. It's not that one house gets more rain or less rain or, or, or more winds and less winds. It's, it's the same wind, same tempest, same storm, same circumstance on both houses. And it's the same house. The problem is not the wind and the storm and the rain. It's not the house. Am I wrong? It's the same house. The problem with the circumstance is not the circumstance. That's what I'm trying to get to see. It's what it's built on. It's built on the rock, or it's built on shifting, movable sand. Hey, Amen. I was in Nicaragua. We were talking to some pastors, and they were talking how... How many have heard of uh, Honduras? Honduras? Yeah? Okay, my sister. And do you know anything about Celaya and Michalete? The problem that just happened three four months ago? They had, a, they had a quote-unquote coup d'etat, which it wasn't a coup d'etat. And uh, what happened was... How many have heard of Hugo Chavez? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, Jeff. Jeff, I'll just talk to you. And uh, so Hugo Chavez, he's the dictator of Venezuela. How many have heard of Venezuela? Yeah. How many have heard of South America? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Venezuela, South America. Hugo Chavez, he is the dictator there. Fidel Castro? Yeah. Okay. Fidel Castro just came out in Time Magazine saying that Marxist, socialist communi- communism has failed in Cuba. Did you read that? Yeah. yeah. You need to read that. Yeah. He's already admitted it, but we keep going to it. And we're starting to turn to here in our country. Isn't that crazy? Fidel says, don't do it. And we're saying, let's do it. Okay. That's another, another day, another, another theme. But here's the issue. He was saying this, and, 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 and then he has, he has provoked all these different people up in, in the, the top, except for Colombia, the top line of South America, and it's seeping into uh, Central America, and he's already influenced uh, the likes of, of the Guatemalan president, also the likes of Daniel Ortega in Nicaragua, and then they had uh, this issue in, in Honduras. They had it all set out, schemed, lined, planned. This was done tightly and knitly. I mean, it was just incredible when we look at it through, through the eyes of those who were involved in the situation. But, uh, but uh, I was talking to a pastor... And he was saying to me, he says, uh, and I, I bring this to this point of, of the rock not movable. And he was bringing to me, he says, yeah, he says, this issue with Micheletti was not right. It was not constitutional. He so said, he shouldn't have done it. This coup d'etat. Come to find out it wasn't a coup d'etat. It was a secession of the Constitution. Because in the Constitution of Honduras, it states that you cannot even mention, you cannot even mention to further your presidential term for longer than it is, or you will go straight to jail. I mean, it's a constitutional provision that you cannot even mention. These issues of dictatorship and so on and so forth. So he rose up, according to the Supreme Court, they rose up and dealt with his issue. The whole world was against him. I mean, Clinton and Hillary and Obama and all their cronies were criticizing Europe. And I mean, everybody was on them. They said, we don't care. We would rather take the criticism and get your businesses out of here and all of your money and all your influence, and we want to live free. And they decided as a nation, 80% was was the the popular uh, a vote and, and 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 thoughts toward this issue and i admire that they stand they stood on the constitution they stood on a solid rock they stood on on foundation they stood on what was not movable and they they faced the wind the trial the storm and etc of the political and and the factions and the external the onu the, the 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 what's the thing in english the the un and the oea of the latin latin american uh, conglomerate i mean they they stood in the face of all of this amen and they came out Free. They came out unscathed. And they all said, from the youth on up, we would rather embrace, we would rather take the consequences of the international community rejecting us, uh, the United States defunding and taking away their, their financial aid. Everything, take it all away. But we will maintain steady upon the constitutionality of our, of our, of our laws that were founded by our country. And they did so. Wonderfully. And I applaud him. And this young pastor in Nicaragua said, you know, that was done uh, erroneously. And I said, listen. I said, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We need to come back to the Scriptures. 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 We need to be forceful. We need to be deliberate. We need to come back and say, okay, all goodness and righteousness and freedom on any level has come straight from the Scriptures and straight from God himself. Amen. Any good for all mankind comes from its very source of goodness, and that's God. That's from the Holy Scriptures that were designed. And so, we're dealing with so many of these things in, in these countries, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm exhorting forcefully that we come back to an understanding. And I don't know if they like it, but they're having to deal with it. And, and, uh, and folks, we, we're here to make a difference. God sent Jesus in flesh. On earth. What did he say? Thy will be done in heaven as it is. Or on earth as it is. Do we understand what that means? Thy will be done on earth. I want to ask you a question tonight. This morning. Is God's will being done in you right now as it is in heaven? I want to ask you a question. Is God's will being done in you right now? In your school system. In your neighborhoods. your communities. With your financial dealings, how you deal with your wife and your kids and your husband, your in laws and your outlaws and your neighbors. Hello. Thy will be done. Right here. Just as. Just as. You know what that is? That's a comparison. You understand? That means just as it is in heaven. Amen. We know there's no unrighteousness. In heavenly places. Because we're in Christ in heavenly places. Are we not? We are. There is no unrighteousness there. There is no injustice there. There is no unholiness there. Amen. There is no ignorance or deception there. Amen. Now I know we're in a process. But let's not use the word process for an excuse for negligence. Let's get on that horse and bring it in. You know, let's get to it. Amen. Thy will be done on this earth. Are you not a bag of dirt? We are dirt. On earth. Just as. Why? Because if we're seated in Christ in heavenly places, heaven is in us. We're in heavenly places right now. Right now. That that will that has already been established from eternity to eternity. That that will be expressed in us. Amen. Amen. The difference that God is asking us to make. Be revealed. Be seen. Be witnessed. Be embraced by people ...that we're being exposed to in our circle of influences... ...wherever that may be. Wherever that may be. Amen. I'll leave you with this this little uh, example. But this issue with the rock... ...we will deal with this maybe a little bit later on uh, tonight. But it was the same house, the same storm... ...the problem is one was on sand, one was on rock. The rock is Christ, which is the revelation of God... This is the written revelation of God, and we have the general revelation, which is nature around us. We've got three wonderful things that God's revealed his nature to us, don't we? We have his world around us that he created. Amen. The stars, the cosmos, everything that he has done is an expression of his eternal, invisible character. Is that not right? Yeah. Romans chapter 1. We have the written word, which is his written, revealed will to us. Amen. And we have Jesus, who came to reveal the very essence and nature of, of God 2,000 years ago. Wonderful. Wonderful. No one is without excuse. No one. There was a little a little story that, that I that I, I read about three weeks ago. And uh, it, it goes like this, real simple. And I was talking to some pastors the other day about it. But if we can just focus in on Christ, focus in on the Scriptures, and let all the future and the past and stuff work itself out, because those things are not important, because I can't really deal with all that, and neither can you. Okay? So as far as eschatology is concerned, and all the different forms and facets and all the, the stuff that's out there, we'll just leave that to ...to be when it happens and and, and et cetera if it happens and all the other things that are involved. But here's something that, that you might want to consider. In World War II, how many heard of World War II? You know what happened? Adolf Hitler was coming into power and he was there. And he was confronted with a little country called Switzerland. How many heard of Switzerland? They are a neutral country. But they're not neutral. You know, I used to think growing up as a kid, they were neutral so everyone knew they were neutral... ...and we just respected the fact that they were neutral... And Hitler was a bad guy, but at least he respected their neutrality. That's not what happened. Hitler wanted to take Switzerland just like he wanted to take everything else he took and finally was defeated by, by uh, the Allied forces. But here's what happened. Hitler knew the history of Switzerland. Okay? And, and I'm gonna, there's two countries, Switzerland and France, that I want to talk to you about real quick. We'll just close this thing. But he wanted to come into Switzerland. But Switzerland had a history. Their history was, and he knew it, and they'd been free for about a thousand years, and their, their proclamation was, we've been free for a thousand, we'll be free for another millennium, and we're willing that every last Swiss die to secure that freedom. And he knew the history, and he knew the stalwart, rampart, heart that they weren't, they weren't fooling. And he left them to neutrality. Neutrality, their freedom, their neutrality was secured based upon a history that the Swiss had. You come on into Swiss, Switzerland, we don't have the guns, we don't have the armaments, we got a lot of hills, and our men can shoot and our women can shoot really well. And the general of the Switzerland army said, confronted with the question, what would you do if Hitler invaded? He said, we'd all shoot twice and go home and eat dinner. (laughs) That's how sure he was. He says, we might lose a lot, but he says, we'll shoot twice and we'll go home. That's what they believed. Now, that was their optimistic view that they were going to be around for a while. Folks, I want you to tell you, I don't care what happens tonight or tomorrow night with all your eschatology. You plan on being here for a thousand years, your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids. Let's make the difference that Christ made 2000 years ago. Let it be expressed. If Jesus comes tonight, okay, big deal, right? It's no big deal. But while we're here, let's plan and work that plan and work and plan that work. Are, are you listening to me? And so they came in and he said, to the, and then they went to the French. Between the, Belgi- the, 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 the people from Belgium, people from France and Holland, there's 54 million people at that time, their population. They could have they dealt with uh, Germany and Italy themselves. There was enough people, enough fighting men... To deal with that whole problem over there. We didn't have to go and the other people didn't have to go over there. They could have done it themselves. All due respect, not trying to be mean to anyone. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is the way we look at things makes a difference. Do you understand what I'm saying? And And I'm not trying to say we have to be optimistic outside the scriptures, but let's be scriptural with our view. We're part of the kingdom of righteousness, not defeat. What happened in 1 Kings chapter 19? Man, I mean, Elijah just got through whooping up on all these prophets... Then what happens? Jezebel goes, who did this? And she gets on her Harley and says, we're going to rail this thing. And he starts running down the road and gets into a cave. And God says, what are you doing in that cave? Get your white rear end out here and get to the job I told you to. What are we doing in this cave? The homos are coming out of the closet and we're going into the closet. What kind of a weird concept is that? Now we either have Christ in us. And we're going to live up to the responsibility that God's created in us and, we, and, the, and the good works that he's created before the foundation of the earth or we will live in absolute ludicrous and darkness and embrace the rest of this next oscurantismo that might happen for the next I don't know how many hundred years. The reason why we came out of darkness was we came to the light. Not because we started painting funny pictures. The Renaissance happened because the Reformation took place. And men started to go back to the Scripture and say, you know, we got to get out of this mysticism. We can't just look at a Scripture and say, how many meanings does the Bible have? Well, it means what you want it to mean. <coughs> we have a little Bible study. we got 10 people. That says, we had John three sixteen. A B A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Now everyone read it. Now let's sing for five minutes go home. Now, honey, what do I mean to you? Well, mean this. What'd it means this. What do I mean to you? Well, it means that. Well, what do I mean to you? Well, it means this. And the priest says, Well, isn't that wonderful? God talks us all different ways about one verse. That isn't what we're talking about. If the Bible has more than one meaning, it means nothing. It's not a moving, adjustable document, it's a dead document. I thought it was a living word. No, Jesus is a living word. This scripture is unmovable. And this is where we base what we understand by virtue of what God has done in Christ. Because what he's done does not violate this in any way, shape, or form. It is wholly consistent with his scriptures. And if we will just come back to view, not a hyperinflated optimistic view of something that cannot be attained, but just to view, get the myopia out, get the the cross-eyedness out. And see what he has asked us to see. With the mind that he's given us. Amen. And I am telling you. Wickedness and darkness and foolishness and mysticism. And unlawfulness. Cannot stand in the midst of righteousness. And light and responsibility. And a people however small they may be. A people who are det- Determined and deliberately stand and will not cower and cave to the nonsensical and the idiocy that lies within our theological, our philosophical, our educational, our political realms. But we will declare, not because we wish it to be, we declare it because it is so. Amen. Amen. Hitler came into France. They were outnumbered. The French were outnumbered 600 to 100, 6 to 1. Now, I want you to listen to the story. I read this, and I couldn't believe my eyes, and I, I rechecked it and re-referenced it. The French's tanks, the French tank, was an incredibly advanced piece of machinery. And I don't know if there are any French people here, so I don't want to offend anyone, or French relatives or anything, or like, anyone likes French fries. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make to you is this. I don't want to offend anyone here, but my idea when you hear the French, you know, we kind of have, oh, you know, you know what I mean? How many ever thought that? Oh, the French, you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to, that's just kind of how, you know, I'm sorry. And that's probably wrong. Forgive me. But my point is, when I read this, I was shocked to read that the French actually had done this. They said that when they combated the onslaught of Germany onto France, they had annihilated the German army. Their tanks were, had taken 20 shells And still they were functioning. Still they were running. Their tanks had a projectile range of about 700, 800, 900,000 meters. Where the German tanks had half that. The German Franco Tirador, the uh, sniper, had a range of about 200. The French had 500. They decimated the frontal first attack of the German army. Such that Hitler moved his whole headquarters on the border of, of, of France. They would, they would have annihilated the German army. What happened? Because we see that German, the Germans came into France. Did they not? They did. They occupied France for some four or five years. Here's what happened. In, in Switzerland, they did not have the machinery the French had. You understand? All they had was a valiant, courageous, non-bending, non-negotiable attitude toward their freedom and what was not right. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? Do you understand me? Yeah. I'm talking about something that's intangible. Intangible. I <laughs> mean, something that's invisible. Okay? The French had the armament, they had the ability, they had the training, and they were beating the Germans. But their political Entities and their hierarchy of the German forces, uh, their French forces said, "You know what? We don't want this conflict because we're going to lose lives. We're going to lose this battle. We can't see uh, a positive end for France. Better we we surrender and let them come in. That, that we would be able to parallel uh, with them, but we'll survive this." And and on and on and on and on. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Now. Here's what I want you to listen to if, if, if you're listening at all and if, if you care to. But my point is this, folks, our eschatology does mean something. And again, he comes tonight, comes tomorrow, okay, no one's going to be worried about anything, right? Okay? But while we're here, while we're here, while we're here, occupy. While we're here, occupy. If you need training, get trained. If you need to read, read. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to embrace, embrace. But let's stop hiding in the cave. Let's stop looking at this with a pessimistic, darkened, illogical, unrighteous view. Amen. 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 He said we're more than conquerors. He said he's our triumph. He said he's our victory in all things. Did he not? The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. What does that mean? That is not defensive. That is offensive. Matthew chapter 11, it talks about this, and I will close and forgive my, my my ongoingness. Forgive me. Matthew chapter 11 says this. It says, from John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence. Remember that verse? Yes? Actually, in the NIV, I don't know if anyone has the NIV. You can actually correct me after we're done or, 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 or otherwise. But I was listening to a, a professor there at Oral Roberts, and I agree with his position. He said... He said that it actually says that the kingdom of God is What he was actually saying there, in, in the original, actually in the NIV, was saying that the that the kingdom is progressively advancing. Amen. Amen. How can God be defeated? Amen. Okay. Then how can His body be defeated? I know there's different definitions of that, but I'm going to tell you something. Righteousness produces peace. Peace produces joy. Amen. If we have a righteous standard, which is the scriptures, and Christ who is our righteousness, and he is our nomos, he is our law, and on that rock we stand, that will provide, that's the limit, the righteous moral limit of all things, that will provide a society with peace and calm and security to function. And to live. You can send your daughters downtown at 10 o'clock at night and not worry about them getting raped or kidnapped. You can don't have to worry about putting your money in this bank or that bank, whatever system, because there's peace, there's security. Security is produced by a righteous standard, folks. It's not produced by confession. It's not produced by some mythical, mystical... Do you understand what I'm saying? You build a house on blocks, not just theory. You build it on blocks. You build it on a foundation. If you have a righteous standard, a justice for all, a judgment for all, when there's Lawless is There's lawlessness committed. When someone rapes a woman, then we know that the just law comes on that man and he's sent to the electric chair. When there's been violence, and we know that there'll be a just law committed, you'll live in peace. You'll live in security. And that security will produce joy. Amen. There is a societal joy. There is a communal joy. In the body of Christ, our joy is based on peace. Our peace is based upon there is a judgment here upon us. And we live upon that judgment. Every man judging himself in Christ Jesus. Jeff knows this. When there's something wrong here in the body of Christ, we go to one. If he does not repent, we take one with him. If he doesn't repent, we bring formed in the church. And if he doesn't repent, then you excommunicate him. That's called judgment at the house of God. That brings order. That brings security. And that brings joy. Do we not understand that? Hallelujah. This thing is not just inter- internal, and it is. But it's got to come out. It's got to express itself. The world is seeking for you and you and you and me and we to say, this is wrong. This is right. Walk in it. Amen. Amen. The world is hungry for that. Yes, I'm I'm done.